When the world went into lockdown nearly a year ago, artists of all types were amongst the hardest hit. Some reacted by creating more. Others threw every last stroke of creativity against the wall in desperate hope that something would stick. But for some like today's guest, the rivers ran dry. The fields went fallow. A global pandemic didn't just lock down their plans, it completely shut down the very creativity that gave them life. I've been, you know, I struggled a lot with like, well, what does it mean? Who am I as a musician? Um, what do I have to say? And what does it mean that I don't feel like saying anything right now? My guest today is Dawn Pemberton, singer, songwriter, uh, based in Vancouver, Canada, uh, recording artist. Dawn has this powerful, soul-filled voice. It's kind of that give you goosebumps sort of sound. I urge everyone to go to wherever it is that you find music and take a listen. You won't be disappointed. Um, she's a, a friend of mine and a bit of a local celebrity. And Dawn, it's just so good to welcome you today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah. So I like to start by asking people a question that I think isn't too personal. We'll see. Um, if I say the words to you, spiritual and religious, do do either of those resonate? Does does any of those make sense for your identity at this moment in your life? Yeah, of course. Definitely. Um, I would say definitely spiritual. And I grew up religious, but now I'm like, what does that word even mean now? I'm mm -hmm. kind of trying to figure that out in my own faith journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think too, the whole religious word can be, well, there's so much baggage, right? And um, definitely takes a lot of sorting out. So, so tell me though about like, let's go way back. Um, and I've met your family, they they come with you sometimes. Um, and I know that, you know, appearances aren't everything, but your family seems so enthusiastic, so supportive of you. And I would just love if you can go back and share with us a bit about um, the home that shaped you or the people who loved you into being. Uh, oh, yeah. How did you become the Dawn you are? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question. I always think, you know, um, I always like to think about and acknowledge the people in my life who like, um, who prayed for me. And, you know, even when you didn't realize it, you know, when you're out in the world, there's always people who are praying for you. So, mm -hmm. um, and loving you and wishing you well. So definitely in my home, I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, and my siblings are a lot older than I am. So I was kind of like the surprise baby. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the special one, right? Like <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, my, my siblings are like 10 years older and 15 or 14 and 15 years older. So they were like, you know, mm. totally in the thick of it when I was born. So um, yeah, I was born into a really like loving family. You know, my parents are immigrants from the Caribbean. And so my, I'm a first generation Canadian in my family. Um, you know, we, we grew up going to the United church up the street from us. Um, my home was very fun. It was full of music and laughter. Um, you know, we really worked together to, um, to survive and thrive as a, as a family. Um, our parents worked very hard. Um, 
but there was a lot of like joy and, and playfulness, you know, in amongst the, the hard, hard stuff. Um, I just remember like a lot of laughter and I also remember, you know, a lot of like uncles and aunties, like my, my parents' house is still this kind of house, but like people just like, it's a popover house, you know? Mm, So, um, so I'd often like, you know, my cousins would often get dropped off and they'd be hanging out for a couple hours, you know, some days or my uncle would come and pick me up and be like, Oh, you're coming to my house or we're going to go do some errands together. So, um, it was kind of like a really nice community feel growing up. It kind of, you know, it reminds me when I would visit my grandmother in like rural Cape Breton, that sense of, um, it might be the house where six people live, but it's, everyone's welcome. And you can, it's like, you can take the kids away for what, no one's going to ask, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no one's, exactly. <laughs> um, beautiful sense of, of community. And I, I expect, of course, your parents brought that as part of their, their growing up and culture too. Uh, Definitely. You talk about though, you know, the hard times and I think the people who, um, who manage the hard times the best are those who have that lightness and zest for life or music uh, or something in their home. Uh, but I mean, you grew up in a city where you're sent your first generation, uh, your parents grew up in a completely different culture. You don't look like most people in mm. Vancouver. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm just curious what was some of those struggles and and I if you went to your local church I'm guessing from what I know of that denomination um you didn't look like most people there either like like it's true what's what's that like for a kid how like how do you um how do you grow up in in those sorts of settings and no doubt you dealt with racism on the ground but you know how do you just deal with feeling noticing that people notice your different mm-hmm. well one thing i can say i didn't really notice it in within my church upbringing yeah. um uh and in my neighborhood i you know there was some definite racism on the playground uh and in my school but interestingly enough like uh the neighborhood i grew up in it was like most people were either first generation Canadian. So there was, was a lot of immigrant families um, mm. at that time. And, and when I was going to school, there were a lot of um, immigrants from Pakistan, uh, India, Vietnam, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the indigenous population. Um, and, you know, so I feel like there was a lot of intersections and a lot of I remember in my school, like being um, encouraged and and being taught about some of the struggles that my classmates were experiencing and why they came. And, and, you know, I had kids who were like coming straight from refugee camps, you know, in my, you know, in our, in our classes and we had a huge ESL program. So it was like, uh, the sense that there was things happening and that you had to be compassionate and and kind were sort of instilled mm-hmm. um and and i didn't really feel 
that my otherness or that my difference was was bad but or a thing but you know there were some uh i would say like byproducts of racism basically it was like you know whatever the influx of people was um you know the 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 majority would would kind of lash out at that group and then just being a, another person of color you'd kind of like get mm. like the bullets would ricochet off of you so um you know definitely experiencing some of that and and on the playground you know um kids you know using racial slurs and uh wanting to beat me up or beat my siblings <laughs> up you know of course you uh, had siblings that were way older and and could uh, <laughs> protect you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i remember going home one day this this kid pushed me off my bike we had this like retaining wall in the in the neighborhood park that we used to like to like you know ride our bikes along and this one kid who was like old, way older than i was you know called me the n-word and pushed me off my bike and so i went home <laughs> and told my brother my brother was like all right i'm on it um, <laughs> so yeah there was you know everything the good the bad and, and the ugly well sure. and isn't that a i mean it's so interesting you say that because well, the people who um figure out how to survive in this world you know whatever the struggles are you face that awareness that there's the good the bad and the ugly and it's all just part of life mm -hmm. I, sometimes i think we're um people are a long time before they realize that. Like we think we're entitled to it being um, an easy ride or that the bad stuff that happens is is the anomaly and we're entitled to, to things being easy. So mm -hmm, you learn that totally. as a kid. <laughs> and to learn that there's other kids coming from uh, realities that are war-torn and just so different um, must have opened your, uh, your eyes to the world. Yeah, totally. Um... You know, when I think about it now, it was like such a, I don't know, grounding and, um, you know, it made an impression on me mm -hmm. as a person like, whoa, uh, here, here comes this person who like was living in a, you know, in a tin shack with their whole family and now they're here and they have to learn English and they're in my classroom like uh wow mm -hmm. you know it's I mean and it's happening today and and it's still happening you know uh but I I just remember like being like I wonder what it feels like you know and right. and just being very aware of their um of them taking it in, trying to make sense of it, and being a little bit reserved. I do remember that and and also trying to like figure out how can I relate to them? You know, it got easier as I got older, mm -hmm. um, but I, I did feel like this urgency, like, like I have to, there's something I need to do. I don't know what it is, you know, but 
I was trying to figure it out, my little six-year-old self. <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, I wonder if we pick that stuff up at home. You know, it's funny, one of my, um, my eldest daughters in grade 12, and one of the questions she was asked as part of coursework this year was, um, you know, what values shape you? And mm. my kids go to church all the time. So uh, someone said to her, well, how has church shaped your values? And she's like, well, I don't know, <laughs> to which I said, well, well, haven't we taught you about, you know, caring for the other and helping people? And, oh, that's, that's how my, um, my family of origin has shaped me. And so, so that's what I hear. If you were trying as a six-year-old to figure out how to welcome the new kid in school, uh, you'd probably pick that up somewhere. Um, yeah. 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 Um, you lead a choir of women, mm -hmm. uh, you have for a number of years anyway, and you travel with them sometimes to, um, yes, yeah. yeah, to the global South, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone to, uh, Cuba and to New Orleans together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm intrigued obviously by, um, a choir of women's voices is a, a special thing. Um, and, and that traveling to places, again, so different culturally, um, just wondering if that's, um, you know, what things you learned in, in going in that context, uh, say to Cuba with a group of um, Canadian women. <laughs> mm -hmm. did, yeah. did you, uh, did you experience the culture a bit? Did you find yourself um, exposed to things you might not have been otherwise? When we were there, we were there when Obama was was there and the Rolling Stones were there. So it was just crazy. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. The Cuban government actually almost tried to um, cancel our trip. They're like, we need your hotel rooms so you can. <laughs> <laughs> more and important like, people coming yeah yeah we've been here we've been playing this for like a year um but so one one day we you know they had roots cut off and we had this uh meeting set up with another choir so we had to kind of like walk through um you know a neighborhood like right in the heart of old havana and this is definitely a neighborhood where not many tourists walk through and let alone 40 mostly white women right and we're getting off this bus and like you know the streets are tiny so our, our big bus could not make it through um and i i just remember being like okay we're getting off this bus we're gonna be very conspicuous we're walking through people's neighborhood their home um and i need you to remember like they're real human beings you know you can't there's gonna be so much like so many beautiful things to take pictures of but like just be chill with your cameras like you know if you see something really beautiful and there happens to be a human mm -hmm. you know standing there like <laughs> maybe ask them like may i take your photo or is it okay if i take a photo of this um and uh some people struggle with that yeah you know and yeah. i was like i'd be like okay let's go let's keep it moving you know and i it actually i got a little bit uh angry you know mm -hmm. and i was like why do you need to take a picture of everything like just remember the moment and the experience 
Oh, there's something about that too. Um, we are so trained to create memories for the sake of memories that we sometimes forget to be in the moment. Totally. Oh, and yeah. it's like, you know, or like, let's have one person be our photographer for this moment, yep. you know, so that we can enjoy. And this person's a professional photographer, like let them, you know, capture yeah. it for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I want to I want to talk music and I, I okay. want to ask you like dawn music. You <laughs> talked about there being music in your home. Do you remember either the first song you learned or maybe even the first song you performed? <laughs> Cuz I'm sure it must have happened as a kid. Whoa. <laughs> um I do not remember the first song that I performed. <laughs> You never got the solo in the like holiday concert? <laughs> uh, I may have. I do remember wearing <laughs> like this really awesome plaid kilt with a vest mm. and like a frilly shirt. And the white wearing... frills, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the lacy socks and the black leather patent shoes and wearing a Santa Claus beard and hat out of construction paper so and I, I do remember like I, I had this little maybe like a trio thing but what it was I have no idea that's probably a good thing yeah <laughs> yeah um but music is obviously like you can't extract it from your very essence um what what is music for you like yeah, yeah music for me is um a refuge it's a place where my um where my heart and my mind can um get some exorcise like you know i can like get rid of all the the nasties and it helps me um kind of go somewhere else um growing up music was definitely a part of the everyday my parents you know especially my dad uh he was a big he is a big music lover. Um, so we listened to a lot of music, a lot, a lot of music growing up. And, um, you know, my siblings were taking lessons and in into music and playing in bands. So it just kind of was like a, a thing that everyone did. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to do and, and be a part of. I, you know, I always thought it was really interesting and really cool. Um, uh, yeah, there was just this sense of like, of like, oh, I want to do it so badly, like this yearning, mm. you know, and this deep desire. Mm -hmm. uh, I love how you describe it as, uh, you know, getting away from the nasties and exercising, uh, getting getting the demons out. <laughs> yeah, uh, it. I mean, it sounds very much like like we talk about spiritual practice. It's it's the place you go, perhaps. Um, where you feel that, what is it, that oneness with the universe, that calm? Those yeah, definitely. Yeah, all of the above. Um, definitely, a, there's a calm. And, um, and it, it is this sense of like, you know, when I'm performing, it's the sense of, I'm just, I'm just the vessel, you know, and there's, um, there's like spirit moving through me and you know uh, there have been times too you know when I when I just definitely feel like it's not it's not me 
which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, you know, and sometimes I close my eyes and I'll just see like tons of color and, um, and splotches of, you know, color and, and light. It's just, it's wow. very fun and interesting. And, uh, and sometimes I forget, mm-hmm. you know, that it, that it is that for me. Um, and, uh, more and more, especially during this time, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember like music is fun. Music is healing. Like you can just do this for fun. It doesn't have to be related to your career or your, you know, your survival. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I was going to ask you if there's a difference between singing in the shower and singing to perform, but I think you're kind of getting into that, that, mm-hmm. uh, there, um, there must be some parts of trying to technically do it right that can get in the way of you feeling like you're, it is this place of oneness. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and that's where like the brain, the brain thing comes in, you know. <laughs> so I find, uh, you know, I always tell, you know, my students and, and people that I'm working with, it's like, you spend time in in the practice room or in, you know in the shed they call it mm-hmm. and um where you are working on the technique and you are being mindful and thoughtful about it and intentional and thinking and that's the time to you know have a bit of your brain turned on um but after that you know when you leave that space um you don't really want to have to return that return to that space when you're in the moment creating you know it's like I had this one teacher who would say um, that, um, you know, technique, our technique and um, our artistry is what creates expression. So it's like we need our technique to help us um, uh, articulate our artistry, you know, and it's it's necessary. Um, And like they're all three are kind of like in this loopy circle together (laughs) Mm -hmm. but of course the more time you spend well in the shed the more you're able to uh to just draw on that technique i guess um Mm -hmm. yeah and to to get out of your head um if you if you practice well enough it's like everything (laughs) yeah and the thing is as art as you know most musicians and artists know it's like we're taught to always figure out and be listening for or looking for what the issue is or like what's wrong or what can make it better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't turn that off. You know, it's like, um, you're always looking for that thing and everything else. It's great. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's great. But what about this thing? You know, and that's the part I'm talking about that needs to go away. (laughs) Sounds like, um, the, the human struggle we all have. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm wondering how this year has been for you and what you've bumped up against in this pandemic year. Uh, what's risen to the surface for you as the pieces that keep tripping you up? It's It's been such a weird year because I, I, I'm still like trying to grasp that it's been a year. Yep. You know, and... I think because we've all have been just in this like holding waiting pattern um you know time time keeps rolling but i i still feel like i'm i'm back in march in a way 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, and last year, you know, my year started off really awesome. I was in New Orleans. I was in Cuba with mm-hmm. another group. Um, I had just gone on tour and and then it came back and it was like, you will never travel again. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I've been, you know, I struggled a lot with like, well, what does it mean? Who am I as a musician? Um, what do I have to say? And what does it mean that I don't feel like saying anything right now? Okay. You know, so you're not like Taylor Swift came out with two albums this year, right? That, <laughs> that hasn't been your outlet. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't recorded any albums. I, you know, I did, I did eventually kind of get busy and, and, um, create some things, but, um, I did wrestle a lot with like, well, if I'm not like, who am I if I'm not, creating and not sharing and when the pandemic first hit and everyone was like like panicked and kind of were like throwing things online and my instinct was like (laughs) just to close my computer yeah and be really quiet um what do you think that's about what why do you think that's the place you went at that moment mm, that's a good question i think um by nature, I'm an observer and, um, and I don't really feel like I want to share things for the sake of sharing them. You know, I'm more motivated by when I have something to say, I'm going to say it, Right. you know, and like just watching everyone like throw things out. I was feeling a little bit panicky and a little bit anxious. Like, you know, am I going to be, am I going to like just evaporate <laughs> right yeah and be lost in the mm-hmm. you know the fray of of panic and and creativity um yeah and and i wasn't sure so i was like i'm just gonna sit back and try and figure out what's happening and what this means to me um and i was surprised at how long i didn't feel like singing or playing the piano Um, and it really wasn't until like June maybe when, or just, it was just after George Floyd's murder, Mm -hmm. um, that I sat down at the piano and then I just like cried like a big baby, you know, it was very, um, uh, healing in a way. And it kind of helped me to. (sighs) to get started again. I mean, it takes a bit of trust to be able to uh, sit in that space of non-creativity when that's your whole identity. I I mean, I suppose it takes trust and it's kind of like you can't do anything else, right? You you don't have it in you uh, um, to be creative, but still there's a lot to be learned walking through that and um, not giving up in the midst of it. Yeah. I'm so curious that you, um, that the tears flowed when you, when your hands hit the keyboard again, so to speak. Uh, And that, did you experience that as a a sort of an affirmation that, (laughs) that your spirit needs to create? 
<laughs> yeah, in a way I did. Um, yeah, in a way I did. And, and I think, you know, I, I tried to contextualize just, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that like, it's hard for me to take a break. And, right. um, and I feel like <laughs> the, the whole world was like, on a break, you know, and so I tried to think of it as um, a really big sacred pause and an invitation to like, have some follow time. And I kept thinking, okay, well, if I know I'm not creating, but how can I still stoke my creativity and mm -hmm. um, nurture it and feed it? So I tried to, you know, listen to music and read interesting things. And I just tried to find things that were funny. Mm -hmm. I wanted to laugh a lot. Um, and yeah, when I, when I did finally play, it was, I was kind of surprised mm. at, at how much emotion there was. I mean, it was such an emotional time. Um, there was so much happening. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of nice to be like, oh, it's still there. Like that connection is still there. And I think I was a little bit afraid that it, it had gone away. Yeah. 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 And that um, the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, of course, you know, not surprising that that would, uh, it touched so many of us. Um, so I'm not surprised that's the moment that something was stirred in you to that you needed a release and outlet. Um, it's been many months. There's been a lot go down in the world since then. Um, this wasn't on my list of questions to ask, but I, I'm curious, you know, when there's a, a moment that brings together, oh, the whole world really isn't, isn't too much of an overstatement, um, mm. like the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and there's expressions of solidarity across racial lines of we have, um, we have some stuff to deal with. Um, my question to you is, how do you feel all these months out when Black Lives <laughs> Matter gets to the back burner and, it, and you know, is there a, yeah, is there a worry that, yeah, one more moment, uh, we looked like we had it and where's it gone? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel, um, you know, the sense of like, where's everybody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like there are people who are, who are still, um, you know, unpacking their own, um, anti-racism work and their anti-colonialism work. Um, and not that that work has to be visible, but it, it definitely, you know, in just in my own life, you know, and my own friends and acquaintances, it's like, okay, interesting. Like, uh, it, it seems to have, you know, things of the urgency or the, uh, the wanting to do something has seemed to dissipate a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, I always question that and, but then in the same time, it's like, well, you know, how do you keep the work sustainable mm. when there's so much happening? Um, but yeah, I think about it every day and um and it's like i feel like 
you know, there were some great um, strides made and I feel like a few more people got it. You know, more people are wanting to understand it and are um, making it a part of their, you know, practice, their daily practice of being a human. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just worry like how many more people have to die for things to change. Which, um, you know, I wanted to ask you where, where you find hope and promise in the world mm. or even in your life. How do you, how do you, uh, after a year like this, uh, both professionally where you've been shut down and, <laughs> yeah. um, and with all that's happened, where, um, that's a very interesting question. I feel like I've struggled a lot with, with that this year. Um, um, and I feel like I've had to really dig a little deeper, you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm trying to hit bedrock and, Mm -hmm. um, I'm still, still digging. So, you know, I am really reminded of hope and, um, resilience just through people and and because i you know i'm i live alone i haven't been around people it's it was easy for me to forget that um so whenever i do have an interaction it's like oh yeah that's right remember remember the feeling you know it's it's through caring and um connecting and nurturing other people that um that there's hope and that there's goodness, um, you know, real, honest, palpable goodness. So for me, it's, it's just in other people mm-hmm. and connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I go back to your childhood awareness of other people's struggles and, and the good, the bad and the ugly. And the thing. It, it just feels like it's been a year of too much bad and ugly, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <and> we, <laughs> uh, um, just, uh, one or two more questions before sure, we yeah. close. Um, if you were to, um, I mean, I guess this isn't necessarily theoretical. I, I know you have a lot of people in your life, but, and I, I'm looking for what, what life lesson, what bits of wisdom have you picked up along the way that you'd want to share with others? Is there any, um, you know, the, the key to life, the key to making it through or how to face what comes at you um, mm. or, or what it is you need to do to keep showing up day by day that, that I'm not really thinking of magical big stuff, but yeah, you know, whether it's that you make a cup of tea in the morning or I don't know if there's any, any little things, you know, that, yeah, keep doing this and uh, you'll be well fed. <laughs> That's really good. Mm. Um, yeah, I actually, I made a list of things because mm. I often would forget or I'd get really overwhelmed and I'd be like, <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what can I, I'm like, Oh wait, I have a list. Mm. Um, but yeah, on that list for me is, um, I find when I do things that are challenging mm. and hard, um, mentally or physically, um, it really 
puts me in a meditative state. Um, and it took me a long time to, to figure that out. So whether or not, you know, I'm practicing and I'm playing the piano and I'm trying to figure something out, things like that. Um, you know, doing yoga is Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, things that are kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone. And, um, for me, I really, you know, get filled up when I'm out in nature, when I can stare at some water. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm being creative, like not musically creative, but when I like cook a great meal or I get to paint or, um, you know, knit, things like that kind of really um, help me to feel invigorated, you know, mm-hmm. and turn my brain off because my brain is very active. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it just needs to chill. Uh, <laughs> and I think the other thing that I learned during this time is that I've just, um, I've had a real um, amazing, like deep connection to my family, you know, my mm-hmm. immediate family and, you know, cousins and uncles and aunts. Um, but also to my ancestors. And I've been really trying to figure out, you know, who am I? Who are we? What's our family story? And through that, you know, I've just learned um, so much about the strength of my ancestors. And in times when things feel hard, um, I just remember that they did hard things too. Yes. And maybe even a little bit harder and I can do it. It's like an extension of the, the interconnection we, we feel in our communities. It's, it's like, it goes deep and back in time and mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. Um, it's like, you know, they, they had this, uh, sense of future in them and they, persevered and struggled and um you know did that all for the knowledge of something else something better for whoever was to come and um I think to not acknowledge that and to just you know uh let it go and and complain all the time mm-hmm. is 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 not honoring them. That's all I got. <laughs> I just want to thank you, Don, for sharing your heart. Um, and, and I want to invite everyone who's listening, do yourself a favor, go over to Spotify, wherever it is you find music and check out Don's voice. She will get you out of your head. Um, her, her website is dawnpemberton.ca. 